Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My dad promised me that we would go camping one day. He had gone multiple times with my grandfather as a child and said that they were the best days of his life. Waking up early, catching fish, cooking said fish over a campfire, swimming in the lake. All things he wanted to teach me, and then for me to teach my children. But his job kept him too busy for anything else. When we did go on vacation, they would be to beach resorts or foreign countries all nearer in large cities. With his job as a stockbroker stressing him out enough as is, the last thing he wanted to do was sleep in a tent with no air conditioning or decent food. He would promise each summer that when the next summer arrived, we would go camping where his father had once taken him. That forever promised summer never came. When I was 20, He was diagnosed with an aggressive form of brain cancer, and he died less than a year later. I'd never been too thrilled with the idea of camping, but I could see how much he wanted to give me the same experience his father had given him. And for that reason, I will always regret that we never got that chance. I wanted to find some way to get closer to him after he died, and I knew exactly how to do so. I would go camping myself, right at the same place he and his father always went to. It was a swimming hole in southern Maryland, deep in the woods, not far from the Chesapeake Bay. The pictures he had of the place showed a clearing around the lake, with tall grass and wildflowers surrounding the water. I knew this is where I had to go, in order to get the same experience that he did. I didn't know much about camping, so... I just brought the essentials, foldable tent, a small stove, matches, a fishing rod, water, a fillet knife, and plenty of bait for catching fish. When I arrived at the campgrounds, I paid the fee for three days and four nights and told the park ranger where I would set up camp. He was a bit surprised, saying that not many people went down there anymore, but he didn't know why. He gave me a map that showed how to get there sent me on my way. The drive to the campsite took about 10 minutes and required me to drive through snaking dirt roads that looked as though they hadn't been used in decades. There were 15 sites available, all of them not far from each other, and marked by a colorful sign at their entrance. Mine, however, was removed from the others by at least 5 more minutes of driving. I figured that this is why nobody went there. It was too far away from the other sites to make it worth the effort. My car was four-wheel drive, which made the trek across the dirt road and sudden changes in elevation and sharp corners easier to navigate. But for a bulky caravan, it would be impossible. One other thing that I noticed was that it looked like the sunlight was dimming. 
Not like nightfall or even sundown. More like if my windshield was tinted more than it normally was. The trees also looked different from how they did just a few minutes ago. They were noticeably taller, their branches a darker shade, jagged and spindly. They looked like the wands of witches or lightning bolts of uncreated night. And the few leaves that hung on by threads were blood red and paper thin. In the summertime, the trees were normally full of bright green leaves that stood strong in the face of the wind. These trees looked like they were stuck in a perpetual state of winter. The road, which was covered in pebbles and potholes just a few hundred feet back, was now perfectly smooth and felt tightly packed like asphalt, despite of it being made of dirt. I looked at the thermometer on my dashboard, and in just a few minutes, it had dropped from 82 degrees to 71 degrees. The entire area felt like it was in a different dimension or reality from the one we normally inhabit. And my heart began to sink more with every foot that I drove. I knew I had to push on. I wasn't doing this just for myself after all. In my backpack was my father's ashes. I had decided that this would be a fitting resting place for him. I would spread them before I left, probably in the lake where he and his father made some of their most treasured memories. My family had given me their best wishes agreeing that the lake was a good place for him to remain forever. In many ways, my father and I would finally get to go camping together, even if he wasn't there in the traditional sense. And for this reason alone, I knew I had to shut out how bizarre and spine-chilling this place was. I had to make my father proud by any means necessary. And finally, I could see the clearing I knew from the photographs. And suddenly, life returned to the world. It looked even more beautiful than it had on film. The trees were still huge, but were packed with a fantastic green. The branches, fat and healthy. The lake was sparkling from the sunlight and was untouched by the scourges of humanity, free of garbage and free of chemical waste. Wildlife of all kinds could be found, ducks sitting on the water, deer sniffing through the tall grass, bees pollinating the wildflowers, and even a groundhog or two walking in the shadows. The temperature on my dashboard rose from 69 degrees back to a more familiar 83 degrees, and the tint on my windshield had faded away. I got out of my car, took a few pictures to show my mother, and turned back to look at the road I had passed through wanting to see if there was a difference from this side of things. But when I turned around, the previously dead trees looked alive again, and the road was as rough as it had been before. I couldn't think of any rational explanation for this, and decided it would be best if I didn't think about it. Perhaps it was just nerves and paranoia playing tricks on my eyes, or I didn't look as closely as I thought I had. I went to set up camp, occasionally glancing at the road to see if anything looked out of the ordinary. After a while, I forced myself to stop doing this, not wanting to get in the way of what I had originally set out to do. As creepy as this place was, I had to tough it out for my father's sake.
The tent was a pain in the ass to set up, as it was all in one piece but still needed to be fastened to the ground using spikes. Once that was done, I was getting hungry. As much as I wished to start a campfire, I had no idea how to do so, <laughs> believe it or not, and I settled on just using a stove to cook my food. I took my fishing line, attached some bait, and went to the lake to catch my dinner. It didn't take long for me to reel in a few bass, which would hold me over for at least a day. I also brought a few burgers just in case I got unlucky, but it appeared that these wouldn't be necessary. And strangely, as I gutted one fish with a fillet knife, I thought I heard some talking, or at least what I could only recognize as talking. It sounded like growling, but broken up in such a way that it formed a sort of a structure, like a, like a sentence. It was faint enough that I could hear it, but not understand any of it. I knew for sure whether it was in my head or not. I thought it was just some passing hikers, but the way this thing was speaking didn't sound human. I decided again to not think about it and finish my dinner. The fish was okay. Well, not a cook by any stretch, but it was filling, which was all that mattered. I just hoped that I had cooked it properly and I wasn't going to get food poisoning. I spent most of my evening reading by the lake, and I took a walk in the tall grass to get some exercise. It wasn't the most exciting thing in the world, but there was enough to see to keep me from going stir-crazy. But still, I could hear those noises from the woods, and they seemed to be getting louder as time went on. It no longer sounded like growling. Now, more like someone who had smoked two packs a day for 30 years, but in some language I had never heard before. It was almost like English, but somehow inverted and twisted, changed into something darker. Like if you spoke backwards and forwards at the same time. I turned in before sundown, not wanting to see whatever it was that was speaking in the forest. I just hoped it was my imagination playing into paranoia. Or if indeed there was something there, it would just stay the hell away from me. But as I climbed into my tent, I looked back at the road I had driven through earlier and was horrified to see that the trees were dead again. The leaves had disappeared. The branches were long sagging, bent in multiple directions and rail-like. I couldn't see the road in the darkness, but I didn't have to. If the trees were the way they had been when I arrived, the road was too. I zipped up my tent and considered locking it from the inside for added security. I figured in the end that if there was something out there, a lock wouldn't be able to stop it and wasting my time would just be pointless. I put on an audiobook to distract myself and I fell asleep, my heart pounding too fast for my eyes to get the rest they deserved. I couldn't hear anything moving or speaking outside, but that may have been due to the words of Stephen King playing loudly in my earbuds. After a while, I settled down just enough 
and I was able to fall asleep. I don't remember what I dreamt of, but when I awoke, I saw something that would remain in my dreams forever. It began when something went bump in the night, though it was more like a thud. Another thump followed right after. I wasn't in my apartment, so it couldn't be someone slamming a door or falling on the floor. It could only be someone or something outside. I took out my earbuds and shut off the audiobook to listen closer. I could hear what sounded like someone stepping on a pile of branches or the crinkling of a plastic container. There would be a few cracks and pops and crunches, and then a boom as if something would hit the ground. From the pattern it followed, it sounded like it was walking, albeit slowly, more like tiptoeing. As much as I didn't want to, I pulled myself out of my sleeping bag and opened up the tent to get a closer look. I looked to the far side of the lake, about a hundred yards away from me, and there was now a tree on the other side of the lake. It looked as dead as the trees I'd seen on the way here, but there was a noticeable difference. Legs and arms. Its legs looked like roots twisted around and fused together in the shape of a stump large enough to support its weight. The arms were extremely skinny and nearly as long as the trunk, which was also lanky. The arms hung downward in an aggressive position, both in right angles as if it were ready to grab something on the ground. It was gray and had large chips in its bark, signaling that this tree was extremely old. I stood paralyzed, thinking I was dreaming but a quick pinch confirmed that I wasn't. This tree was real. It wasn't far away and somehow. It heard me? It began to slowly turn towards me, causing my breath to stop. As it turned, the roots cracked and crumbled and twisted the trunk around without raising its feet, like the swivel on an office chair. When it finished, a small face on the top of the trunk came into view. It had no eyes, only black dots that looked eerily human-like. Its mouth hung agape, and it had some bark pulled up and smashed together in the shape of a nose. Its face looked like that of a human's, but at the same time, it didn't. Like, it was trying to be human. I thought it was human, but it just couldn't be human. We stared at each other for about 20 seconds, and I thought about going back to sleeping, hoping that this was just a bizarre hallucination. But to my horror, its arms began to rise, causing me to step back further toward my car, knowing I had the key in my pocket. The arms cracked like the breaking of bones as they lifted themselves all the way into a horizontal position. And just as I was about to scream myself, it beat me to it. Its mouth opened further and a horrible, completely inhuman noise filled my ears. It was extremely high-pitched and 
started quietly. Like, uh, if your ears were ringing from getting hit in the head with a basketball. Every second, they got louder and louder and louder. My ears began to burn from the noise. And with that, I'd seen enough. I grabbed... (laughs) I grabbed the entire tent and I threw it into the back of my car in one piece. It was heavy, but I'd found new strength thanks to the adrenaline. The tree didn't move, it just stood there, continuing to scream louder. It was so intense that my ears began to pop and my body quaked, making me feel physically sick. I started the car and peeled away as quickly as I could, pushing the car to the limit in every corner along the way. I did my best not to look at the other trees, fearing they too could be alive. The screaming continued for minutes, even after I was far away from the tree. It was as if the screaming was in my head, that it had hacked into my eardrums and played its horrific cry for as long as I was in range. Like a radio signal that could drive the most stable people to insanity. Eventually, it began to fade. And once I reached the freeway, it was gone. I stayed at a hotel for the rest of my trip and I never told my family what happened. To this day, I still don't hear as well as I did before the trip. And soon, I'll probably need a hearing aid. I told people that it was because I played music too loudly, not because of the tree. I mean, they'd never believe me, so I don't see the point in telling them. I never returned to those campgrounds, and I don't intend on ever doing so. Worst of all, well, I never got to spread my father's ashes. I don't know what to do with them. And the guilt I feel for failing him consumes me every single time. I see the urn. It remains in my backpack, a reminder of that night by the lake, the tree that was screaming. <laughs>